I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to AusBiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company. Just called midday Eastern Standard Time, that means... It is time for another um, appointment, if you like, with the call. Um, 10 stocks that you suggest. We get in two experts to give you some guidance on them, and we do it all in 60 minutes. And today, um, a couple of our old favourites uh, joining the, uh, the expert panel. Scott Phillips from Motley Fool. Scott, good afternoon to you. Crush you, good afternoon. More on the favourites, less on the old man, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> well, one of, one of my favourite blokes with a very similar hairstyle. So uh, it goes very well. And Mark Morland from Team Invest. Mark, good to see <laughs> you. Good to see you too, Crush. Yeah. Yeah, my wife said the same thing. She said, you're looking very old. She wants to send me in for, eye, you know, it's my eyelids done. And so oh, I said, no, no don't way. do any of that. No, way. no. no. Particularly because we will notice here on the show, absolutely. <laughs> so you're looking younger. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you here. Uh, let's kick it off with our stock of the day. And of course, uh, that stock is Webjet because uh, it came up with, uh, it had a really impressive trading day yesterday, up 15%, would you believe, along with Flight Centre. Um, largely, I think, because uh, the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, was saying that uh, he might um, come up with more money for the travel industry, saying he saved $60 billion on JobKeeper, a bit more funding for travel industry to uh, get out of the pandemic. So uh, what do we think about uh, Webjet, Scott Phillips? Yeah, amazing day yesterday. Today as well, been an amazing day. It was up 15% again this morning, uh, wow. then up only about 4%. As I look now, about 7.5%. So... All over the shop today, not a bad couple of days, up 21%, give or take among friends. Look, I think this is one that's really worth potentially considering as a very high-risk buy. It's a buy for us um, at the moment. I own some shares personally for full disclosure. It's one of those stocks that as long as it survives this, as long as it gets through without being meaningful to lose or literally going broke, on the other side of this, as and when travel continues to grow, Webjet gets much, maybe even all, eventually of its business back. And so, and don't forget, of course, it's not just the Australian Webjet brand, it's the Webbeds business in Europe, so that aggregation business. It's one of these businesses that really, you know, at, at current prices, not much has to go right as long as nothing goes really yeah. badly wrong. It's going to be pretty good value right now. As I said, the speculative one, because there is definitely the risk something does go wrong. Another really dilutive capital raising would kill the thesis. Um, obviously, if it goes broke outright, there's nothing left, so that, that's yeah. the thesis dead anyway. But if it survives without either of those two in any meaningful way, I can't see how the current price isn't cheap. You've just got to be able to hold your breath and hold your nerve and hope desperately it gets it right. Mark? Uh, yeah, but I concur with all of that. Um, I think 
the extra things I'd say about Webjet are that Webjet was the one that looked like it could have gone broke at the beginning of the uh, coronavirus. You know, there was yeah. there was a bit of a, a real uh, massive amount of activity very quickly trying to raise, you know, working out whether they could raise debt or money. And uh, one of one of the guys I know who's on a on a uh, fund. Uh, told me that you know that they they had to raise money fast, right. but so did Flight Center. Yep. But yeah, Flight yeah. Center was still a lot stronger than uh, uh, Webjet. Um, the, they they've done a capital raising. I think that's part of why uh, the market's really liking it as well. Because what we now we're finding we're getting more information as this goes along. Yep. You know, so before they were really a big risk, and at that stage the share price was down at a at two twenty five. So it's doubled. Yep. Since then, it's back to four dollars, whatever it is, four fifty or something yep. today. Uh, it's still half of what it was before uh, coronavirus, so it's still at fifty percent discount, and I think that's quite rational yep. because we know they're going to do poorly yep. uh, for a while. Yep. And the real things we don't know is how quickly uh, flights will come back, at least domestic for a start, and then yep. also yep. ultimately international, which will dictate how fast it'll be before they earn money. I think there's zero chance of this not them not coming back now. Yep. Um, even reading their own risk statements, they said that the money they've raised uh, only really gives them clear air until the end of the year. Right. So if we had a major second you know, run and we you know, got locked down for more, you know, heaven forbid, yep. then yep. they would have a problem. Right. Yeah, okay. But I think that's unlikely. And yep. if you listen to what's coming out of, uh, the, from, the, uh, from the Prime Minister and so on now, he's pushing for the borders to open. I, I think it's all going to happen pretty fast now. Yeah, I and, think. Yeah, and I think that's why the, the, the travel stocks are coming up as well because people are going, they're sensing, hang on, this is about to change. Yep. Uh, and they'll start making money as soon as it does. Okay. All right, so uh, yes for Webjet, even yep. though the last couple of days have been really good, still half pre-coronavirus um, share price um, coming up a bit later, Flight Centre is uh, has been suggested from uh, from one of our viewers as well, so we'll cover that as well. Let's get into your top ten um, and uh, kick it off with uh, thanks to Debesh uh, has sent this in um, for a look. One of our viewers, Australian Finance Group and Mark, are basically a mor- mortgage broking group, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Financial it's group. exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a, a, bro- a brokerage group. They've only got about five years of history. I don't, I don't know the business uh, well, but I had a look at it. Yeah. Um, its earnings are you know, best to describe them as flat. Yeah. For the last fast four years, so they're they're not they're not growing very strongly, um, and uh, they uh, you know really they they've they've been hammered down to ninety cents from three dollars, so that was mm. you know, they really got smashed, and they're only they're back to a dollar fifty four, so uh, they're about half of what they were before. It actually, their financials look alright. The, re- the return on equity is uh, thirty one, which is really good, thirty one percent, which is very high. We need a minimum mm. of ten percent. Yep, um, and they're fi- they're making five percent profit on um, on uh, sales, so. Um, they, they, don't, they don't look too bad. As I said, I don't know a lot about them. We're showing them returning about 10% per year on a margin of safety. So that's, that's assuming 5% growth, and they're currently growing at about 18, arguably, right. the last year. Yeah. And that assumes a terminal PE of 8, which is pretty low. Yeah. So uh, if you want a 10% return, you could pay $1.55. So it's, you know, it, it's, it looks okay. okay. But I don't know it well enough to be able to make a, a comment All of whether right. I'd buy it or not. Right. Scott? Yeah, this is a really, really tricky one. So not only is it a broker, but it actually has its own loan book. Yeah. Um, it, it's a tough old business to try and forecast moving forward. And if you think about, yeah, I mean, we're going to say, say oh, I'm going to say a lot over this next hour. There's so much uncertainty in the near term that may or may not change either the business outlook or frankly, the business's balance sheet. AFG is one of those companies using the old dreaded term, remember RMBS, the old residential mortgage-backed securities? Yeah. That was the GFC term that uh, put fear <laughs> into most of us who were investing around the time. It's a 
just a really, really difficult one to try and forecast moving forward, I have to say. So a bit like the other banks, a bit like Webjet, as and when it makes it through this, the future is brighter than the current. And so there's some there's some value in saying, gee, the shares are off a lot. Maybe it's worth a dabble. I, I just have to say it's hard really to look through this and see what the future might look like and what the quality of its loan book is. I know that the arrears are up by about two and a half times. Just quick on a quick look at the graph um, of their arrears they published most recently. So really difficult to raise some capital most recently, trying to uh, basically solidify the balance sheet, give them some opportunities potentially. They say if there's acquisitions, they might use some of that money for that. Um, this is in my too hard basket for the moment, guys. I'm, I'm going to say it's a hold. Uh, I wouldn't buy it, so maybe, maybe I should call it a sell. But realistically, I don't, I don't just like it enough to sell it, uh, but nor do I know enough and feel confident enough about its future to have been people buy yeah, that's fair enough. All right, our, there you go, Debesh. Uh, need more work into it. Um, our second stock, uh, Mark Flight Centre. So in that same category yeah, as, yeah. Well, as Webjet. And interestingly, they're having they've had a big uh, increase well, in. Um, well, they followed stock. Webjet. Yes, they do, didn't they? Well, yeah, Webjet followed. Who knows? But the, the whole yeah. I think the whole travel the whole travel area is getting that lift we were talking about. Yep. Uh, Flight Centre um, is a company that Team Invest really likes. I mean, we've, it's been a wealth winner for us for a decade. Right. Uh, but not in a straight line. The last five years, their earnings have been very flat. Yep. You know, so they haven't actually been growing much, and the PE has been really high, which for me meant that I sold them. So uh, I bought. I've had. I've owned them a few times actually, right. but I actually bought them in 2015 at about 29 and sold them at 64. They went wow. up to 70 dollars, but on flat wow. earnings. Right. You know, which to me, and the PE obviously is expanding at the same wow. time. So Look the PE. Look at that in 2018. Yeah. So yeah. the PE, the PE actually went up to uh, 25. Yeah. in 2018, which is a hell of a lot, a very high PE for that sort of growth. Yeah. Quality company, Screw Turner is a uh, fabulous founder, CEO, uh, massive skin in the game. He's run the business for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, he was very, very quick to react to coronavirus. Now, they, they, they were immediately in trouble because this was a black swan for the travel industry. Yeah. You know, no one was expecting that suddenly the business would stop. Yeah. You know, so I think I'd, I'd accept that it's a black swan for them. Um, they didn't have any debt which is great, but they paid a special dividend um, a while ago because to get rid of franking credits when there was a risk that they could be used. And that was their spare cash. And I think it was about 400 million. Right. So that, that unfortunately, just unfortunate timing, yeah. uh, that cash buffer uh, has gone. Yeah. So they need to do something uh, quickly. And screw Turner, they acted very, very fast. They've um, uh, sold their um, head office for 65 million in Melbourne. Uh, they've uh, raised 700 million plus in um, new equity from institutional and uh, retail shareholders, yeah. which interestingly nearly doubles the shares outstanding, right. yeah, which is big. Yeah. Massive yeah. dilution for Screw. Yeah. You know, he's taken a massive hit in the name of protecting the company. So he's gone very aggressively on how much he's raised. Right. Uh, so a flight center has got no problems at all going forward. Right. Uh, no debt, massive amount of cash in the business. And uh, they've also cut their overheads from 225 million a month to 65 million. How about that? Wow, he he went he did the old go hard go early. He did. He sure yep. did. He sure did. Um, they're also closing fifty percent of their uh, retail stores. Yep. Um, you know that's half the network. So when they come out of this, the business in a way is going to be smaller because it's going to have a smaller footprint. It's got yep. double the number of shares, yep. uh, which means that whatever the earnings were before, you halve it for a start, assuming they get back to those earnings. Right. So it's a hard one to predict the uh, future. But for me, I think uh, what we don't know is how quickly they're going to come back. Uh, from revenue, domestic travel. I think when domestic travel flights start happening, they'll quite quickly get back into the black. Yep. You know, so I think the losses will be quite small. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've already taken the hits on uh, all the corona and the redundancies and so on have all been paid for, yep. and they've got plenty of cash. So when we come out of this, they're going to be a very lean, 
uh, well capitalized and very low, well, very lean, very low overheads. Right. Uh, I expect them to grow really strongly off some base, which let's say it's zero. Yep. And over the next few years, um, if as long as you've got the intestinal fortitude, yeah, you know, to write it out, I think they're going to do going to do really well, and they're going to shift from what was a, a large, uh, low growth company to a high growth company. Right. I, I expect. So a good long term bet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think so. Sort of sector down on its knees, mm. uh, Scott. I like Flight Centre as a business. I think Mark's covered beautifully the opportunities in front of the business and it's a buy for us. So let me say up front, I think it's a buy. What I am a little bit mindful of is how much upside is left. This was a $40 stock in November, December. Now, Mark's not always right. If we use that as a benchmark and a Mark's point, if we say the share count's roughly doubled, then on a per share base, we should be paying $20 a share with twice as many shares outstanding. Now, at the current price of almost $15, there's a nice 30% upside, which is lovely and we'll take. But there's not that much kind of extra headroom there. And remember, of course, that was pre-corona volume, pre-corona travel, pre-corona environment, confidence, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so, you know, you know, you know, in a, in a regular world in December, if they doubled the share count, shares would fall from 40 to 20. We would have said that's what the market thinks it's worth in, you know, not great times. Flights have had its ups and downs. So look, it's a buy for me at the moment. There is a point, though, which you kind of start to say, look, yeah, the price is still a long way from where it was. But again, as Mark's highlighted with that dilution, you don't want to be paying anywhere near the, the previous price, particularly while profits remain below. In fact, they're zero at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, they'll, they'll remain below 2019 levels for a little while yet before yeah. getting back to that level. Now, hopefully higher above that again. Um, but at some point, you've got to discount that back for the future value. So it's a buy, absolutely, at 15 bucks. At some point, though, as it gets towards 20, you want to start to say maybe there's opportunity to take some money off the table or just reconsider whether it really is that growth business. Now, as Mark says, Closing half the source is either a master stroke or you know shrinking the greatness. So to some degree, okay. again, there's enough volume left, there's enough profit left in that smaller footprint. I don't quite know. So you know, at some you probably you're moving towards a hold pretty quickly and then potentially to a sell as the price keeps rising if it does. Okay. So, you know, if you go through it all, really good operator yep. and good management, uh, really well capitalized mm-hmm. and cashed up. Um, so a big criticism of Flight Centre in the past has been that it's too much bricks and mortar. Yep. So it's got the ability to go more online, like mm-hmm. a webjet, mm-hmm. getting rid which of is, it. Which it's doing. Yeah. It's also building its corporate travel business very strongly in the US. Yep. Uh, getting rid of yep. sort of marginal bricks and mortar oh. businesses going forward. Yep. And is it fair to say the travel business is basically, has been dominated by mum and pop, sort of travel oh, agencies um, who would have found it pretty hard to survive. Yeah. is a top, top 10 travel agent globally yeah. in the world. Well, it's a top 10 company okay. in the world. Um, I think they've still got all their customers. So yeah. remember, is one, post, post-coronavirus, even though they've reduced their footprint, they've still got all the business. Yeah. So they're going to squish much, much more business through the existing network on, yep. on a, overheads that are down 70%. Yeah. I think that's a really good recipe for um, yeah. back to being a growth company again. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah. By the way, I'm, I agree with Scott on the pricing issue. It's actually got up too high for me already. I'm, I'm, right. I'm a borrower at about 10 or below. Right. And, and okay. I think we'll get a chance to do that again. Uh, you do? Oh, yeah, Why? Yeah. Yeah, because I think the market, we've, we've, had a, we've had a V-shaped recovery in the share market. Yep. And uh, the economy is not going to have a V-shaped recovery. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. a, a U or a W or something, I think. Okay. So I think there'll be other news that will come out that will spook the market. We'll, we, there'll, there'll be opportunities. Now, okay. We're back to less than 9% of what the high was from February. Yeah. It's yeah, bizarre. Yeah. What do you reckon on that, Scott? I must admit, I'm, 
a bit more bullish on the economy than I was. <laughs> I keep seeing these economic figures come out and thinking, oh, maybe it's not going to be as bad as I expected. I'm, I'm, look, I'm an optimist by nature, Koshi, so whenever I'm wrong, I'm going to be wrong on the upside, not the downside, or yeah, maybe the yeah. other way around, depending on which way we look at it. I like to think you're right. I, I kind of I hope that you're right. Um, if you think about the way, you know, there's so much pent-up demand here, and if there's a positive structurally, it's that thus far the people who've lost their jobs, as, as horrible as it is, tend to be casuals and part-time workers on lower incomes, which is awful for them. Yeah. Um, economically, the positive there might well be that the vast majority of the spending power remains intact. And so um, it, it may well be that as people go back to the stores, we've seen the job, the seek job ads, for example, up 100% month on month for things like sales, things like retail. So, you know, businesses are back hiring again, you know, jobs being put back into the market. I, I tend to agree. I think there's a chance of the old W-shaped recovery, which is we get a bit of recovery and then we do just get a second wave of unemployment right. where the marginal businesses that kind of survive with JobKeeper so it took along until September and then all of a sudden fall over then. Um, so I am braced for a second bit of bad news. So from a well-run uh, company on its knees to our third stock from Matthew, um, I signed this. Uh, basically a, a fintech, a, a payments veri verification uh, business. Scott um, has attracted a bit of controversy, shall we say, over the last couple of weeks. And that's one way to put it. The shares haven't traded since 2019. This is a business that the ASX put out a remarkable, I've never seen anything like it. It was a, I want to say a 40 odd page, if I'm right. Yeah, I was um, PDF announcement basically saying, look, we, we, we have in the past said we were going to release this if you didn't give us reasonable responses. I signed this, said effectively, we told you what we're going to tell you, do what you want. And the ASX put out a full, full correspondence of these emails back and forward. There's a whole lot of grief going on there. It really does feel like a business that, frankly, if you can't earn the respect and, and the, the confidence of the regulator, or at least the market regulator in ASX, um, you really got to ask yourself, you know, what you're doing wrong. Now, you know, I wouldn't touch this with a barge pole. Maybe they're being unfairly targeted. They they use words like malicious intent uh, in their in their response to the ASX, arguing the ASX is going after them too hard. Uh, the only thing I would say for what it's worth, just for color so sell absolutely, although you can't because it's suspended. Uh, I wouldn't buy this at all. Interesting, though, in their response. There's some, the only thing I thought was interesting in terms of what they said is, look, you're going after us really hard, ASX. You're going after us for our response to certain things, and fair enough. But, hey, you didn't send these letters out to the big banks when the Austrack investigations were, were ongoing. Mm. Um, and so there is some sense potentially, like the old, <laughs> yeah. the old bank line, right? You owe the bank $1,000, it's your problem. You owe the bank $100 million, it's their problem. There may well be some sense that maybe I sign this is small enough to give ASX a scalp, but maybe they're, they're an easy one to chase and catch, and maybe they well deserve it. We don't know yet. Um, but there is a little bit of validity, not that I'm defending the company at all, but in their comments that, hey, you're going really hard after us. How about the rest of the finance sector that seems to have got off relatively scot-free, despite scandal after scandal after scandal? And I do think there's probably a, a wider question there as to how hard the ASX is chasing the other financial institutions on some of these issues. So I sign this, stay well away. You don't need to invest in it. Uh, well, anyway, as I said, um, but there's, there's, there's simply better, less controversial, less risky options out there. Yeah, too hard. What do you reckon, Mark? Uh, I agree with all of that. In fact, I, I struggled to find it because I put it up on my <laughs> our system and it's not there. Because, right. of course, when you're suspended, 
right. don't get it. Yep. <laughs> so we don't yep. get the fence. So I, I looked yep. at it up. I looked it up on the ASX, and I actually read their uh, their annual report. And uh, it's actually an interesting business. Yeah. It's a serious business, yeah. in the, not just a fintech startup. They actually are fully licensed with uh, Visa, MasterCard. Visa, yeah. They are part of the payment system. Yep. And they've got, you know, they're, they're right, into the ba- right into the banking infrastructure and so on. And they have all these per- very, very hard to get permits and licenses and so on, which is totally contrary to fighting with the ASX. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's been eight months they have been um, uh, delisted. Or in suspension, yep. if you like. Yep. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And now they're suing the ASX. And, and you're quite right. In that industry, corporate governance is oh. at the top of the tree, is yeah. it? Yeah, so yeah. why would you fight? Yeah, it's in the cards, credit card industry. And what they are, yeah. they're setting up, they're providing the secure uh, anti-money laundering components so banks and so on who can't do this know yeah. that every transaction is legitimate. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, Which a, is good technology. It's actually a very interesting business, but I wouldn't yeah. touch it either because I just don't get it. Yeah. And a solution is not to sue the ASX. Yeah. The solution is to fix the problem. <laughs> and, and, and answer the ASX's Thank questions. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Scott. Just, just right quickly too, um, the, the, the company has said that, the, just, just on Mark's point, it seems that the deal with Visa will end in the next three or four months. Um, so one of, the, one of the big watch outs here is that the ASIC saying, you didn't inform us, you didn't keep us across it. And they're saying, well, it's not that big a deal, this stuff always happens. Um, but when you lose Visa's business, um, it not only does it yeah. leave a question as to how necessary the product is, but also how well the, the company's keeping the market informed. Yeah. Um, and again, just to, be, just to be fair, I signed this contract to ASX saying, we told you guys, we gave you the information, you chose not to publish it. Um, so there is a, there's a lot of lot going on there. It's well and truly worth a... It'll be a good story once it's all over once you find out who's really uh, responsible <laughs> for what. But certainly exactly. a lot of ramifications. You both say, it's not the fight you want to pick. Yep. No. Okay. All right. Uh, avoid that one. Our fourth stock, Mark, Steadfast, the, uh, the big insurance broker. They've been around. They've got. They've been listed for about five, six years, and they've done. They've done reasonably well. You know, so there's no no big problems with them. Return on equities only just made ten percent this year. So in F nineteen, so right. they were below that all the way through, and they've got a reasonable amount of debt, but not nothing uh, uh, too scary. I mean, I think I'd, I'd, I'm not attracted to the broking business. Um, there's um, there's another one too that we have looked at in uh, detail, which is has slipped my mind. Uh, Scott will know who it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the other broker, big uh, broker, not uh, AUB. Uh, Ausbiz. Uh, oh, no, Aus- not Ausbiz, not Ausbiz. You're not a broker. Yeah. Uh, Scott, AUB is the code, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, AUB is the other broker. I think it's the name of the broker. AUB, AUB, yeah, Ausbrokers. Yeah. Yeah, which, which we've liked better, but uh, Steadfast came in later. So Ausbrokers was there. So that's their main competitor. The trouble when you get multiple players in these spaces on roll-ups is they bid the prices up. Yeah. You know, so ten, 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 what tends to happen over time is their earnings growth, earnings growth drop because they have to pay more uh, for the uh, groups they uh, buy. But Steadfast yeah. looks all right from my point of view. It's just an all right, all right business. Okay. All right. Scott? Yeah, I completely agree. You want to buy a roll-up early. In, so you want, you want two things with a roll-up. You want a really, really big market that's really, really fragmented. And you want it to you want to buy it early when it's just in that roll-up. If you go from one edge to two, two to four, four to 12, 12 to 100, those numbers add real value. When you're one of the two major dominant players, there's only a few left. The opportunity for growth is less. And as Mark said, you've also got to pay more for that opportunity. You just simply, the, the, the model breaks down. It doesn't necessarily mean you go out of business or the business starts losing money. Just the the benefit that you're used to having when you look at the past financials and say, 
gee, how good is this? That starts to go away at some point. You just can't add enough mm. volume at a cheap enough price to really make a meaningful difference. Now, they, they do have a pretty good spot in the market. I do have some, uh, there's some appeal from, from a broking business, just purely on the basic economics, as long as you're paying a decent price. That is, um, yeah. you know, we know that people in mortgages, for example, um, well more than half of mortgages these days are done through a, through a mortgage broker. Insurance, the same thing. If you're a small or medium-sized business, you're not going to ring around a dozen different insurance companies, try and explain what you want. If a broker is going to do it for free or for not much, you're going to go to a broker and say, look, help me out here. What should <clears> I do? Um, my wife's small business, I think, did exactly that not too long ago. I didn't use one of these two, by the way, but ended up uh, exactly that. It was like, I don't know, just help me out here. What do I need? Um, and that's really, really useful. So I, 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 they're, they're, necess they're necessarily necessary. Necessary, thank you, part of the business, mm -hmm. spat that out. Um, you know, and they've got a role to play. The question is how much growth are you paying for? And kind of the question is, are you Woolies of 40 years ago, Woolies of today? You know, is the growth going to be GDP plus a bit? Um, I think it probably is. And so that you've got to really reset your expectations. I don't think the prices are cheap enough yet, particularly because we don't yet know things like small business collapse yeah. or media business collapse as a result of Corona, what it does to insurance yeah. volumes or it does to premiums. That's up really up in the air right now. So I know they're cheap enough given the uncertainty, but they would be on my list of businesses I'd be happy to buy given, a, given an attractive price, somewhere around 20, 25% less than today, which again is a decent yeah. fall for those who hold it. But that's the sort of price you want to say, okay, that seems to take into account enough of the downside. You don't need too much growth. Both of those things I think are currently not factored into the price enough. Right. So you're probably paying yeah. a little bit over the odds for a business that probably doesn't have phenomenal growth opportunities ahead of it. Okay. Yeah, I agree with all that. And just adding on the risk issue on earnings, their earnings will, I uh, bet you they'll come down right. because that small business side is a big part of yeah. their business. A lot of it's hotels yeah. as oh, well, you know, right. and so on. So you, you, really you can ensure that the number of uh, policies that have lapsed or they haven't renewed will be significant. I remember with Osbrokers, they told us that they had a lot of trucking uh, clients where they would only insure it when they had a low. You know, so they would insure for a okay. journey. That's right. how cash strapped they were. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah with uh, the business model and where we are in the economic cycle is really worth taking into account. All right, our fifth stock, um, Scott, we'll kick off with you on this one. Uh, suggestions sent in by Greg. Uh, Batcore, the uh, car parts and accessories business. Yeah, known as Burson Auto Parts, if you've seen it around, hence the VAP in BAPCOR. Um, it owns some other businesses now as well, truck parts and that kind of stuff. But its core, core mission is I mean, I reckon it's kind of a broker of sorts, right? We think about an insurance broker and a, and a car parts wholesaler, they're not exactly the same thing, but the very idea of not having to hold the inventory yourself, you're a mechanic or a service center, you can ring up BAPCOR, you can get it delivered normally within an hour or two, depending on where you are. You don't have to have, carry inventory, you don't have to pre-quote the job, right? Someone comes in yeah. with their camera and says, hey, fix my car. Uh, you realize that it's the oil pump, or fuel pump, um, you, you get it from, from Burson pretty quickly. That's a really attractive business model. It's one that scales beautifully, keeps competitors away because when you get to some sort of scale where you've got enough stores to, to deliver that sort of service, very hard for a second or third player to be in the same geographic area and do as well. There are second and third players. Repco is the major other one. Burson does do a bit of front of house stuff. They do a bit of, you know, the DIY or the, the, the guy who wants to go to the shop and buy a part for the car. You can do that over the counter as well. But the supply of mechanics is the major piece of its business. Um, this is one that, frankly, I missed a, a massive trick uh, a month and a half ago. We probably all did in March, yeah. you know, mid-March when everything was looking terrible. This was a three-something stock. Um, this is a business that does wonderful, reliable business. People are always going to have their cars repaired. In fact, there's an argument, particularly from US experience during the GFC, that more cars get kept and repaired rather than traded in for new cars when economic times are tough. 
We know new car sales are on the wane. So what's happening? People are driving their old cars longer. That means more repairs, more servicing. So Backcourt, I think, is a really, really reliable business. Mm. You're not going to get stellar growth out of it anymore. Probably going to open 20, 25 stores a year if they're lucky um, across the network, which is still decent but not great. But it's a really solid, super well-run. Daryl Lobotomy there, great CEO, really smart, down-to-earth bloke, knows his business. Um, it's the sort of guy you feel really comfortable having running a business you own shares in. So I like Backcourt a lot. It's a buy for us. It's never going to be a, you know, a world beater, shoot the lights out stock, at least from this price. Um, but a really, really great, right. solid okay. piece of business to have in your portfolio. All right. Mark, it's had a, a big bounce back. It has, it has. And I, I actually agree with Scott about the, it got down to $2.85, you yeah. know, in the uh, Corona drop, which was uh, a, a, an 8 PE, which would have been, it was really cheap. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I missed it as well. Um, yeah, from Team Invest point of view, I'd say it's a buy as well. We, we've, it's actually got an 18% um, uh, EPS growth rate for the last five years. So that's actually very good growth. Yeah. And it's quite consistent. We've had a 94% stability on it. So, you know, it's, it's been very consistent growth, which is, yeah. we like that. Uh, it passes all of our uh, all of our metrics. Um, it's got a reasonable amount of debt, but you'd expect that because it is, uh, you'd say, a fairly capital intensive business because they've obviously got a little stock, stock yeah. they've got to carry. So yeah. that's okay. Um, and we're showing it returning. Um, if it can main, at, at a twenty terminal PE in five years, if it maintains its growth of eighteen percent, you get twenty five percent a year return. Wow, if it does, yep. but if we go margin of safety, that cuts the growth down to twelve percent and the PE to fourteen. Then I get twelve point seven five at the current price. Right. So it's, it's still good value now. Um, I would take the view of, uh, I haven't actually looked at this for a while, so I wish I, wish I had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd be willing to buy that because I agree with everything Scott said. It's a very, very stable, reliable business. Um, but I'd, I'd, put it, I'd be greedy and put in a, um, an, a, a, a offer at uh, four, high fours. Right. You know, dollar below where it is now. Right. I think you'd have yep. a good chance of getting it. There's no, yep. I don't think I'd have to need, don't need to pay the current prices, I don't no. think. No. And, that, and that's the... As I think you've explained before, mm-hmm. um, it is you can just have a whole bunch of stocks out there you're mm-hmm. willing to buy and just put a price on them and mm-hmm. if they come back, they come back. If they don't, they don't. You've the thing it, is, the, the, why, that work, why that works really well is you, you, you don't miss things like that. So assuming I want to buy Bab, uh, Babcor and I put a bid in at 285 yeah. you know, and I had that in there, yeah. and you think, well, that's like 30, 40% of the uh, current share price. You would have got some probably yeah. you know, that, at that level, but it, the, the, mar- the market moves so quickly yeah. that you, unless you're standing there looking at the computer screen all day, yeah. which I'm sure not, yeah. uh, you, you, you read about in the paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. rather, than, rather than saying, I'll put, I'll put the price in that I'll be really delighted to buy it, and if yeah. I get it, I get it, if I don't, I don't. And the way Howard does it, he puts small amounts in, he, has, he always has at least eight or ten orders in the market at right. any, any one time, yeah. and then when it triggers, he gets an SMS. And the right. SMS says, oh, you just bought Babcor at blah. And he goes, oh, that's really cheap. I'll, and then he'll just go on his account and have a look and he might well, see what's going on. He might put in a heap of money. On it. Right. Okay. It's a really good way of doing right. it that is rather than way. trying to watch it. Scott, that is a, a good way for, for average investors just to follow particular stocks that they like and see if they can get them at a reasonable price. Yeah, I think, I think it is. Particularly if, you, particularly if the price you want to offer... Well, sorry, so again, you don't want to buy at the current price, right? So yeah. I, I would probably, I'm a little more, uh, I would say aggressive than Mark, but just in the sense that if I, if I think this has got a good growth ahead of it, I don't want, I don't want to try and bid four dollars for a five dollar stock and miss it on the way to twelve. Yeah. Um, so you know, the, the, you know, of course, the last couple of months have been wonderful for exactly that, um, and you get well rewarded having those those orders in there. But it, you know, if you if you get a five dollar stock to go to twelve or fifteen or twenty, and you're waiting for it to go back to four, you'll kick yourself. So. I think it's right. I think you absolutely want to do that. It's definitely a way to do it. Particularly, as I said, if the current price is simply not enough, not attractive enough to buy, yeah. 
but there is a price you'd be prepared to pay. I think that's great. Um, I'll just add to Mark's thought just that, that there's a, I think that's a justifiable um, set of businesses and only some businesses that have decent growth where you don't want to, you don't want to miss, you know, Buffett famously missed $8 billion with a profit on Walmart because he wouldn't pay two cents more for the shares, right? Yeah. So <laughs> there, there, it was is, actually, it was there is some billion. sense in eight billion it was. Yeah. Yeah. You don't make the deal. But of course, there's no overpaying for stuff that is simply too expensive and putting a, putting a limit order in for, at a price you're prepared to pay, super, yep. super sensible. Let's just recap. Um, yes, from uh, both guys on Webjet, but uh, sort of high risk at the moment. No for Australian Financial Group. Yes for <coughs> Flight Centre. I sign this, just too hard, avoid, too complicated. Uh, a no for Steadfast. And a yes from Scott on Batcorp and... Uh, Mark saying, if you can get it for five, bu- five bucks. No, 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 a dollar less than where it is now. A dollar less than it's, where it's, it is It's now. actually quite good value now. Yeah. I'm just gre- super, super greedy at the moment. Yeah. All right. Our uh, sixth talk, um, Scott, the Accent Group. This has been sent in by one of our viewers, <clears throat> Barry. Thank you for sending it in, Barry. Um, Accent, of course, a big retailer with uh, brands like Athletes, Foot, uh, Vans, Doc Martens, those sorts of groups. Yeah, I, I, with, with tongue firmly in cheek, uh, it breaks Philips law number one, which is don't buy a company with a, with a number in its stock code. Um, I, I reckon if, if a, company's, a company's management or directors are, are so busy playing funny buggers with the, with the stock code, they want to put a number in it to seem cool or funny or something, uh, that, that's a good time to stay away. So tongue, tongue a little bit in cheek, but not entirely. There is some, I think there's probably some validity to that. Um, look, I think Accent's a really, really fascinating business. I've missed this one because I simply didn't understand well enough how much money people are prepared to pay for sneakers. Like I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a, remember the old KT 26s or the yep. Bollies? I'm kind of in that, in that genre of footwear. <laughs> I'm not paying 300 bucks for a pair of kicks, as the kids call them, uh, to, to get the, the brand new sneaker. If I take a look at some of these hype DC stores where they line up around the block mm. for opening on a Monday morning to get the latest sneaker, I, I just, I still don't quite get it, uh, but I accept it's real. So. Look, it's really cheap right now. If you believe that the market comes back, that once money comes back into the economy, you're away, then I think it's probably really interesting right now. I would say, you asked me about the general economic shape before, Koshi, that the recovery here, I think, is challenging for these companies because the core customer is probably the late teen, early 20s, probably spending the Macca's money or the, you know, the first retail job money or whatever it is on these things. They're the kids who've really been hit hard buy this stuff, the, the cafe waiter, the, the whatever, the barista. So I'd be a little bit careful as to how quick the return comes for these. Some consumer discretion great. This one in particular feels like the, the very core demographic is super prepared to spend on stuff when they've got the money. They really just don't have the money right now. And I don't know how long it takes for that unemployment number to come back down. I'm going to sit on the fence. So I'm going to say hold. Um, I'll take a slightly different view on that. I mean, Axie Groups has been a... Uh team invest wealth winner for uh, quite a few years now. So we really yeah. like it. And also I'll confess, I, I'm a shareholder and I've also bought shares in the drop. Right. So, yeah. and I did my buy down. So right. I paid, sure. I paid $1.20, $1.90, $80, $70. Right. So okay. I bought them all the way down. So yeah. my average is about 84, it works out. Right. So it's now, so I'm happy with that. I didn't so buy enough though. Right, around a buck fifty. Well, no, now. it was, I, I, yeah. I think it's good value now. Right. But just a little bit about the company. They've got 479 stores, but they've also got a very, uh, and they're all open now. By the yeah. way, it's all, they're all fully open as far as I know. Uh, they've got a very strong on, online business. And in, August, in April, rather, 
they were doing about a quarter of a million dollars a day in March online. Yeah. Um, it's now jumped to 1.1 million a day. Oh, now that's wow. that's significant. Um, it's about a third of their uh, total sales, which are about a billion dollars. Right. This is a big business. Yep. So yep. they're now doing a third of their sales online. Now, obviously, once the uh, people go back to the stores, that'll probably come down a bit, or sure. we don't know. But it's very good. They're very well set up. They've got 18 websites. I think right. they've got, and you know, lots of brands. You know, they, they operate very well. They also wholesale. They own yeah. a lot of these uh, brands. They've got combinations of distribution agreements and outright ownership of brands, yeah. and they sell those to the little guys in the small shops. So it's quite a, yeah. quite a diversified business. Um, the other thing is they didn't need to raise any money or increase... The, well, they increased their debt to $207 million. They've got about $100 million in debt at the moment, so a little bit of increase in debt uh, headroom. Yeah. Didn't need to do a capital raise. Fantastic founder uh, mentality in the business. Oh. Um, uh, Daniel uh, Agostinelli is an excellent uh, CEO. This business has been growing at 17.8% per year average EPS growth yep. uh, for the last six years. So, you know, straight line. Excellent. Very, very high stability. I read a, read yeah. a thing this morning about them saying that, um, Scott, to your point, uh, young workers short of cash. Well, with JobKeeper, um, mm -hmm. they were getting topped up. And they've spent them on sneakers. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, they were only earning two grand a month, and because <laughs> they qualified for JobKeeper, yeah. they yeah. get three thousand. I think we, right. we think it's a great business, okay. and, and also the uh, Brett Blundy okay. bought into it. He, he's put oh, ninety-eight right. million. He's bought ninety-eight okay. million shares. He's a he legendary usually, Australian retailer. Yes. So he, he owns. Uh, he owns eighteen percent, I think, or twenty percent. Oh, It'll okay. be more than that now because of the right. drop in share price. Okay. So and they've got six million on their uh, loyalty program. Okay. Wow. All right. So a yes for accent yeah. from uh, from Mark. Mark, we'll stick with you. Uh, our seventh stock. We need to um, get through these. Uh, Downer, uh, the services company uh, across mining infrastructure. Uh, yes, yes, I know it reasonably well. We, we like mining um, services companies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Down is more than mining service. They're in railways. They make locomotives and yeah. all, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Heavy industry. It's quite a complex business. They do a lot of things. Uh, they even do information technology installations for fibre and everything yeah. to do with engineering. Um, it's been a mediocre performance, quite stable, uh, but its growth's been totally flat. You know, over the last eight years, you, you, know, you basically draw a line of best fit and it's dead zero. Right. So there's no growth at all. Now, no growth's okay, if you can, and, and with high stability, as long as you pay a low enough price for it, right. yeah, then you can get a decent return. Um, so it's 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 solid but uninspiring. Right. And if you look at the uh, hasn't bounced back much. No. Well, it dropped from eight ninety down to two fifty nine was the low, yeah. and it's currently four four dollars right. something four yeah. forty four four forty four today. Um, wish we, we've got a, on a margin of safety, we're giving it 0.5 of 1% growth with a 10 PE. Uh -huh. okay. And I reckon, uh, based on those numbers, that gives you 4% return at the current price. Right. So if you okay. want 10%, you couldn't pay more than 326. Okay. So it's just, it's, even though Not it's come down price. half, it's still too expensive. Okay. For its, right. for its growth. So Scott? if I could buy it for sub $3, then I'd, I'd say, yeah, okay. Okay. Long way off. Scott? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it and I know we're pushed for time. Look, the question really is what happens now from, for, for contracts? The positive, if, if things go well, picks up a whole lot of infrastructure contracts, a whole lot of stimulus spending, and these guys go through the roof. The flip side is the stimulus doesn't come, the infrastructure spending doesn't come, and the companies would otherwise have spent the money or spend a lot of time on the sidelines saying, we'll just wait and see what happens here. Um, I think that that's the risk, and I don't know how you weight that. I think... To Mark's point, it's not particularly attractive given that uncertainty. So, no, I wouldn't be buying it right now. I think 
there might be a time. I will say these companies tend to be very cyclical, so I'm generally wary of them anyway. But you yeah. want to be buying when profits are at a, at a, at a lower level. That may well come, by the way. We may well get a chance to do that over the next 12, 24 months, but I don't think the opportunity is there yet. Okay. All right. So a no for Downer from both Mark and Scott. Now, our next company. I had no idea these guys were listed. Uh, GTN Limited, Global Traffic Network. You know, when you're listening to the radio and the traffic comes on from somebody's chopper in the air and they give you the traffic report, then put an ad on the end of it, go and buy from... Uh, from Foot Locker or whatever, these are the guys. Uh, and it's listed on the share market. So a media business, they provide traffic reports on radio and raise advertising revenue. Scott, I really had no idea that there was a listed company, company like this, but apparently they do it around the world. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they really do, including places like Brazil. Um, this is one of those businesses that, you know, where there's an opportunity, there's a business that springs up, right? If you yeah. can, If you can do this... For somebody else, in a cost-effective way, they're prepared to either pay you for or simply accept your content and you get paid by someone else, which is a really, really common strategy these days. Um, you know, provide something free to get paid by somebody else. It, it, can, it can be something that can spend some cash. I'm, I'm a little sceptical, I've got to say, guys, on the march of technology on this one. I, I mean, again, it, it's free content for television networks, generally speaking, um, so there's no harm in doing it. At some <clears> level, though, I'm not exactly sure how long getting, you know, bird's eye view from the chopper of the traffic. It's kind of a tradition. Uh, for those in Sydney, you might remember Sammy Sparrow and 2UE way back in the day with Gary O'Callaghan. <laughs> yes, I'm that old. Um, it's been around forever, right? So it's not going to go away anytime soon, I don't think. But if you think about the change to the way we're using these yeah. these services, whether it's, you know, the Google Maps, the Apple Maps, the traffic alerts right. on the phone, the everything's digital. Yep. Um, I don't know how long the TV network will continue to want to have you know, someone in the air with the eyes saying, here's what's going on with the traffic. Now, I may well understate that, and I might get that horribly, horribly wrong, but it feels like a very old-school way to bring it to, to create a new business. The model's new. The service is pretty old, and maybe it continues forever. I'm I'm sceptical. So I've got to say, yeah, the price is down quite a bit. Uh, yeah. It doesn't strike me as a really high-quality business, unfortunately. It's one that could literally go away at the second that Sunrise, for example, says, yeah, look, it's been fine, but no thanks anymore. Yeah, same with the, the radio networks or anyone else. At some point, you simply don't bother. And when you don't bother when it's not necessary, that business goes away super, super fast. Yeah. So there's a competitive mode. No one else is going to come and be a competitor. But when you've got that sort of concentration on your customers, you may simply say, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Uh, too, too risky for me. Yeah. I agree with all that. And uh, the other thing that's alarming with it is their sales are going down. Yeah, right. so so yeah, not not fast, but there's slow decline in sales since they listed. They've right. only been listed for four, four years, really. Yeah. They've had three years of profit, and, and if they you look got at the profit, three dollars eighty at one well, stage. It's absurd. It's on. absurd because yeah. their if their earnings were three cents in 2017, eleven cents, okay, seven cents, now five cents. Right. So it's going like that in four years, and it's on the way down, and sales are going down as well. Yeah. Yeah. No. Forget it. Okay. All right. Our ninth stock, uh, Mark, will stick with you. Unibar Westfield, sort of a um, a retail investment trust, isn't it, reads some of the Westfield stores overseas yeah. or yeah. centres? Uh, yeah, it's only been listed for two years. Yeah. Uh, it's a REIT. Yeah. You know, we've talked about REITs before. It's, when, this, this it's, West... a, it's when the Lowy family yeah, decided, sold... let's take our money and get yeah, out of yeah, this that business. Was right. That was the Lowy saying, we're not at the top of the market. That's what he said. <laughs> no, 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 there's fabulous future for uh, the shopping centres, <laughs> but I'll sell it if you insist. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his timing was incredibly good, oh, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I thought he was leaving it too late, actually. I really did. He, he got it. He nailed it. Yeah, yeah. So now you've got significant headwinds on uh, rents going forward and so on. They've got massive debt, so they're paying out. I, don't, I, I can't deal with these sort of businesses because they basically borrow money to pay the dividends. So, yeah. they're, so they're paying really high dividends oh, and returns. Wow. And you can't do that forever. And, of course, if, if the, uh, if the uh, rents get renegotiated down with Accent 1 and everybody else yeah. all saying we're not paying any rent while we're shut and when we open, we're not, we're not going to yeah. be here unless... We save lots of money. And that, these are overseas Westfields, but overseas yeah. is going through exactly same thing. the same. same. It's exactly yep. the same. Yep. Uh, in the US as well. So, no. Yep. Uh, and it's on a 50 PE. It's absurd. Okay. Scott? Yeah, I totally disagree with that. I think the, the big sleeper story out of this is, is absolutely the retail environment, right? Uh, Marshall talked about Accent. Premier Investments, of course, has said, hey, yeah, we've got a contract. We're not paying you guys any rent yep. while we're closed. Bad luck. <laughs> Um, I mean, the, the way this plays out with the retailers and the landlords is still, I've got a long way to go. This may gen, like, you know, there's a lot of hyperbole around the stock market, but this could literally reshape the way the entire financial metrics of real estate landlords operate in a commercial retail space. I mean, it's that big. So I got to say between that and the, the challenges around physical retail, both short and long term, I, I don't know, if I'm going to buy anything, I'm going to buy this one for what it's worth, because I think... These are the premier locations. Now, again, remember, not in Australia. Westfield Australia is owned by Centre Group. But these are still premier locations, particularly in the US and the UK, the old Westfield business, not the Unibay business. Um, so, you know, if I'm going to buy any of this, is what I'm going to buy. But I think the chances that there is meaningful pressure put on rent, put on foot traffic, um, some, even some of the kind of the second tier locations themselves may be in trouble. Only this week, Mall of America, I'm pretty sure it's still the world's largest shopping centre, missed a repayment on some of the $1.6 billion worth of debt. Um, there, there are really, really, really tough times coming for retail. Westfield may well be the last man standing, um, but it still might struggle to get a decent return for investors. And as Mark yep. said, it's a pretty expensive price for a business that is under serious structural risk. Um, even the accent numbers going from 250,000 to over a million people shopping online tells me exactly what's going on and how people are changing their behavior even faster than before. Uh, I'd be staying well away from this one. Yep. Okay. And Scott, our final um, uh, stock is Eclipse, which is a sort of fleet management um, platform, isn't it? A, a tech business that, that manages uh, fleets for corporates. Yeah. And man, this is another hard one. Like this, it's such a tough time right now to be picking stocks. The answer, by the way, is you don't have to have a view on everything. You can simply say the too hard stuff can stay in the too hard pile. Um, it's you know trying to work out how car leasing will move, go moving forward. No one wants to own their own cars at a business level, of course. So the old days of you know companies having their own fleet of cars is well and truly long gone. And Eclipse and Adil manage those fleets on behalf of corporates. So that's a good business to be in. You want to be able to deliver a service for somebody, um, not too similar to GTN, very very different, of course, on one level, but also not dissimilar. You say, look, let me step in, let me do this for you. We'll make it easy. You just pay us a small fee, you know, job done. Most companies are going to say, yeah, thanks very much. The question really moving forward is what role does you know, car leasing have in the remuneration packages of most people? We know that a lot of companies move to one number of remuneration. Now, there was a time, and when I was first a, you know, an account manager way back in the day, um, you got your salary, you got your super, and you got your separate car allowance. Almost nobody <laughs> is doing a separate car allowance. These days, it's all wrapped up as part of your remuneration package. Yeah. You take the car, you don't take the car. Maybe working from home more. It, it's just a really, really tough business to try and forecast a future for, and again, particularly in this sort of circumstance. So I, I gotta say, I, I don't I don't just like this one. I don't think it's necessarily super unattractive. I just have no way of working out what the future might look like, short of extrapolation. I don't yep. love doing that, generally speaking, particularly in these 
times. Uh, so I'm going to leave this one well and truly on the shelf. Maybe I'm missing a trick. Maybe I'm dodging a bullet. I don't know. It's just incredibly difficult for me to see what this looks like two or three years hence. Okay. Mark? No, 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 Scott, you're not going to miss out. You, 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 you made the right choice. Um, its earnings have been going down minus 7% a year average over the last five years since they've been listed. Right. So their, their earnings are in decline. Yeah. Um, sales are about 5% the other way. So sales are going a bit. They've also got a massive amount of debt, 333% of uh, equity. Now, why is that? It's because they're actually financing some of these deals themselves. Right. So part of the business is actually providing uh, operating leases or whatever. So it's, they're, sort of a, they're also a bit of a finance company from what I read. Right. Yep. So um, I, I don't know how you would... The risks on that, I have no idea because you've yep. got credit risk as well. And their return on equity is six. It's never been over 10. Right. So very poor uh, financials from okay. our point of view. We wouldn't touch it. Okay. All right. So I know for Eclipse. Uh, just to sum up, uh, our final five stocks, Eclipse, no. Um, Unibail, Westfield, no. GTN, no. Downer, no. Accent, a hold from Scott, but very positive from, uh, from Mark, who knows the business really well and knows the, the management team there. Uh, gents, thank you for that. Now, if you want to suggest any stocks for us to cover, here at the call each week between midday and 1pm. You can email them through the call at osbiz.com.au or by Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at osbiztv.